0: Good morning. If you turn with me to Psalm 57. To the choir master, according to do not destroy a mictum of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge, till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down and fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps, my soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, This is the word of
1: the Lord. Let's pray. Father, may my, may my words and our meditation be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer, and we praise you. Amen. You heard me say last week that the, I think the Psalms are like Galadriel's file of light that she gives to Frodo. And she says to him, it's going to be a light to you in dark places when all other lights go out. And I really think the Psalms are very much that, they are a light to the believer when all other lights go out. And just like Frodo uh, had to face the monster Shelob in a dark cave, David had his fair share of tight spots in dark places. and. We actually see, you know, the, the, the heading of Psalm 57, as you heard, attributes it to a time when David was running from King Saul and he was hiding in a cave. First Samuel in the Old Testament records two accounts in which David was hiding in caves while Saul was chasing him down to kill him. So you see in Psalm 57 in the opening verse, this beautiful line but a desperate line, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. God gives his people songs in the soul's darkest night. One of the best songs in Someone's Darkest Night, actually several songs, were written by the English poet William Cooper, I'll quote him a few times this morning. William Cooper is not a well-known name, but you've probably sung several of his hymns if you were ever in a church tradition where they sang lots of traditional hymns. Um, There is a fountain filled with blood is one of his famous ones. Um, God Works in Mysterious Ways is, a, is another famous hymn of William Cooper. He was, uh, he was a friend of the well-known pastor John Newton, who actually wrote more hymns than him, but, but wrote the famous Amazing Grace. But William Cooper wrote some of the best songs that came out of somebody's own dark night. For instance, in his hymn from the 1770s, Sometimes a light surprises. Listen to these words. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian while he sings. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again a season of clear shining to cheer it after rain. I had said last week that God's people have always been people of the book, but they've also always been a singing people. People of the book and people who sing. Why do Christians sing? You ever ask yourself? I'm not, you know, like autopilot. Sometimes singing in church is like driving a car on autopilot. You're like, how did I get here? And you're like, well, why why are we singing anyway? Why do we do this? Um, Well, there's so much to sing about, frankly. Christians sing because there's so much to sing about. Even in the dark times, you have plenty to sing about, my friends. Did you know that? That even in your darkest times you have plenty to sing about if you belong to Jesus Christ. And so my encouragement today from Psalm 57 is not to wait for a brighter day to worship. Brighten up the darkness right now. And I'm gonna use worship as a broad term, not just standing and singing in church, but your attitude towards God. You're a lifestyle of remembering why you exist and who you live to serve and who has changed your life and who has a future planned for you and will never let you go and will always be faithful to you. That's what I mean by worship. You're your life response to your gracious, loving creator. Don't wait for a brighter day to worship. Brighten up the darkness now. And Psalm 57 helps us see the benefits of worship as a habit as a lifestyle. Worship, first of all, is a comfort to the believer. And second of all, worship provides the believer with a new perspective on things. Finally, and and this is probably the most important part, worship helps the believer see that they have a new nature, that you have a new nature. And and so those three ideas are, are, are gonna come up today. Worship as your comfort Worship as giving you a new perspective and worship as revealing your new nature in Jesus Christ. Worship as comfort, as a new perspective, and as your new nature. Worship as a comfort, so worship was a comfort, it was a bright highlight to David's literal darkness. We're not even talking figuratively with David, it was literal, he was hiding in a cave. David's situation was a great distress in comparison to his recent successes. If you're familiar with David's life long before he was a king, shepherd boy turned warrior, and uh, he, he, as a young man, he had tremendous success. Uh, he, he, he was anointed the future king as a youth. I mean, imagine what that might do to your mind. After that, he defeated the Philistine champion Goliath Imagine what that could do to somebody's mind as a young person. And and through these supposed successes, he won the hearts, whether he was trying to or not. He won the, the adoration and the trust of the nation of Israel. I mean, people were praising him and following him long before he became king. Imagine what that might do to a young person. So... He goes from that to utter despair, running for his life, Saul trying to chase him down, the, you know, the current king trying to chase him down, and, and he's left in the wilderness going, for, like, like the Taliban, right? Going from cave to cave so that he can't be captured. Uh, except I think he was more admirable than the Taliban. I should probably say that. So, so this is the contrast of David's early experience in leadership, he goes from the spotlight of the battlefield to the darkness of a cave. That's the contrast. Now he's in utter despair, he's literally in darkness, not only figuratively, but, but, he meditates on all that he knows of God. Again, meditation, the lost discipline of the believer we're trying to bring back as a church. Every summer, we look at the Psalms to rediscover for you, for me, the lost habit, the lost spiritual discipline of meditation. And so David, in the darkness of a cave, meditates on all that he knows is true of God. So verse three, he says, he will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. See, David, in meditation, he remembered, he counted on God's, these are big words, steadfast love, that's that's God's irrevocable covenant love. God's committed to you forever love. And David remembers that, and that's the word he used. So, So David's counting on God's covenant love and God's dependability. And that allowed him to worship, I think. In his distress, through meditation, he is now able to worship. As our brother said earlier, like what gets you out of your frustration into worship, into thanksgiving, into gratitude. Quite often, meditation has to come first. Look at the refrain of the psalm. The chorus comes up twice. He says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be, all, let your glory be over all the earth. See, he's worshiping now. Meditation on the truth came before the praising. Do you notice that? Meditation comes before worship. One of my seminary professors used to say, worship is, a dialogue between God and us. God speaks, we respond. Revelation, response. Revelation, response. That dialogue is worship. And so he is meditating on God's truth and now he responds to it. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Revelation and response. Why could David praise God in a dark cave? because God's love and faithfulness were brighter than the cave. And so that was a comfort to him. He didn't wait to worship. He embraced worship in his distress, in the darkness, and that brought a comfort to him. That was his comfort. Now I want you to play devil's advocate right now. You should, be, you should have at least at some point this morning or in your life as a Christian asked this question, but, Isn't praising God in distress really just stoking myself up? Isn't praising God when things are really bad, isn't that just emotionalism or being sentimental and not realistic? I don't want to be a happy, clappy Christian. I don't want to be false. I don't want to be fake. If I'm struggling, I want to be honest about that and I don't want to act like everything's okay. I don't want to let my family and friends and and non-Christians think that everything's okay. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Isn't it over emotional to praise and worship and thank God when I feel terrible? It's not, it's not unreasonable. And you're not living in denial. I would argue it's just the opposite. Worship cultivates a new perspective in dark times. The believer is responsible for being transformed in their life. Apostle Paul in Romans 12 said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Worship helps you renew your mind. It provides, it cultivates a new perspective in the midst of your darkness. When things get dark, it doesn't mean you get a break from growing in your faith and allowing your mind to be transformed in the newness of God's light. And so what what you see here is David develops in worship a new perspective. Look at verses 9 and 10. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Worship offers you a new perspective. And I want to talk about two types of perspective that I think we we see here in verses nine and 10. The perspective for the believer in distress, but also it provides perspective for the unbeliever who's watching you in your distress. So perspective for the believer in distress, look at this, he says what? He says your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. God's love and faithfulness are great to the heavens, great, what what is he saying? He's saying God's love and faithfulness know no limits. They exist and go and extend into eternity. His love, his faithfulness, it, it extends far above my present situation. Darkness is thick, but it only extends to the roof of the cave, you see? The darkness hovering over David only extended several feet above his head to the roof of the cave. And he's saying God's love and faithfulness go to the heavens, never ending. There is no limit. God is above the cave, you see. His love and faithfulness extend above the darkness that I find myself in. That's the new perspective he receives through worship. but." There is also a perspective here for unbelievers watching the distress, because he says, I will give thanks among the peoples. I will give thanks to you. I will sing praises to you among the nations. This is, this is a Jewish man. This is an Israelite, and he's saying, I will sing your praises among the nations. You see, worship not only comforts our souls, it nourishes our witness to this world. Worship is a catalyst for mission. And I hope you will see that. The author Luke in in the book of Acts chapter 16 tells us that when Paul and Silas were in in the Greek city or the Roman colony of Philippi, a lot of amazing things happened in Philippi and a church was born there. And eventually a famous letter was written to Christians in Philippi. A huge impact on, on history and Christianity but it, it really began with Paul and Silas in a prison cell. They 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 had they had they were literally praising God among the people, singing praises to God among the nations, and they were imprisoned for it unjustly. But but Luke tells us in, in Acts chapter 16 that in the in, in the night, in the darkness of this inner prison cell, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. Could you imagine? They're imprisoned. They're singing hymns in prison in the middle of the night, and Luke says the prisoners were listening to them. And I thought, he didn't have to add that. But he made the point. So they were praying and singing in prison at night, and the prisoners were listening to them. You know, when our family lost one of our own uh, uh, several years ago, uh, I remember singing, um, singing around the hospital bed. Uh, after his death, and um, I, 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 I'm pretty sure, mom, right, it was, it, was, um, it is well with my soul, right? Uh, just five or six of us just started singing it is well with my soul after, after the end. Um, I will tell you this, the doctors and the nurses were listening, they were listening. That was one of our soul's darkest nights, but the doctors and nurses were listening Ask a medical professional, they will tell you Christians suffer differently. True Christians suffer differently than everybody else. It is from our worship in suffering that unbelievers, that non-Christians see a unique faith. It's not very unique to be happy when things are going well, it's not. It's unique to express hope and joy when things are not well. The world notices that. So give praise to God now, in whatever darkness you're enduring. Whether it's a very thick darkness and you don't think it's ever going to lift, or whether it's like a shady cloud hovering over you, not letting the sun in. Give God the praise now. If his love and faithfulness, as David said, extend to the heavens? Think about that. If his love and faithfulness are limitless, if that was true for David, it is absolutely true for you. God is over those who trust him in all places at all times. If Psalm 57 is true, then there is no country, there is no period of history, there is no struggle whether national or cultural or, or personal or private, no struggle over which God's glory does not hover. Again, William Cooper. Though vine nor fig tree neither, their wanted fruit shall bear. Though all the fields should wither, nor flocks nor herds be there, yet God the same abideth. His praise shall tune my voice. For while in him confiding, I cannot but rejoice. Don't wait for the darkness to lift. Why wait to sing? Why wait to give thanks? Why wait to find your hope until the darkness passes? Why wait until it passes? What if it gets darker? What if your darkness gets darker than it is right now? What if the darkness persists longer than you anticipate? What if some aspect of the darkness you are enduring never fully dissipates in this life? Why wait? William Cooper, you know, people are still singing his hymns 200 years almost 250 years after he lived. William Cooper suffered with depression his entire life. He would have been diagnosed if he lived today. Before he was a Christian, he had several attempts of suicide. Listen, after he was a Christian, he had several attempts of suicide. It's reasonable to, to assume from the record that he probably died depressed. This is a man who wrote hymns that literally speak the truth and grace of God. And yet the man struggled with depression his entire life. That aspect of his own darkness never fully lifted. He had to endure that struggle for the rest of his life. But his pastor and friend John Newton, and no doubt the prevailing truth and grace of God in his life, he obviously read the Bible, entrusted in it based on the songs he wrote, those things, fellowship and truth, provided for William Cooper a glow, I would suggest a little glow, that just kept him focused enough in the darkness that he didn't completely despair. And he could say, probably most famously, "Ere since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply, Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. There's a suicidal man wrote those words. Unless you learn to sing now and give thanks now and hope now, you will miss your chance. Remember what we read in our profession of faith, how Paul said that the Christian has within her, within him, the light of God, right? The, the gospel reveals the light of God's salvation that is hidden within the Christian heart, right? But Paul went on to say, he, he knew he, he knew we needed to hear this. He said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. See that? This beautiful, beautiful truth of the grace of God within the heart, But but we're like, we're like, uh, feeble, uh, frail pottery that cracks and breaks. And, and, and Paul is saying the treasure is within these broken earthen vessels and that's us. Jars of clay to show that what? The surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And so you have to submit to this, Christian, the light shines through our weakness, not through our impervious uh, shells. Light doesn't shine through a vault, and you're not a vault. Stop acting like a vault. You're a cracked pot, my pastor from high school once said. You're a a cracked pot, and and you have to be a cracked pot to let the light of the gospel shine through. So submit to that, that the light shines through our weakness, not our apparent strength. Worship is possible in the darkness because it's actually your new nature in Christ if you follow him. The reason that is possible, the reason praise and gratitude and worship is possible even in your soul's darkest night is because you have a new nature. It's not fake, it's not disingenuous. Yeah, you don't have to be over emotional. We are Presbyterians here, not Pentecostals after all. But seriously, like, like you, you, you don't have to stoke yourself up to genuinely thank God and praise God and hold on to hope because it really is your new nature in Christ. David defied the prevailing thought of his day and the prevailing thought of our day and this was the prevailing thought. It's what Job's wife said to him. Curse God and die. Or maybe she would have said to Job today, curse God and deconstruct. Get it over with enough David said no no my heart is steadfast you see there's a resolve there my heart is steadfast oh god my heart is steadfast i will sing and make melody awake my glory awake o oh harp and lyre i will awake the dawn one scholar says, Dave is basically saying this, when the sun comes up, it's going to find me up already, praising God. I'm going to wake myself up before the sun can wake me up. I'm going to be alert. I learned this song when I was a kid. So rise and shine and give God the glory. Right? And there's this whole Noah part to it, but I don't like I think like, Whatever, the real real meat of the song is, so rise and shine and give God the glory. Simple, beautiful truth. Wake yourself up. David said, I'm gonna wake myself up. Worship and thankfulness and hope, my friends, are choices. Yeah, stop assuming they're gonna come to you naturally. It is your new nature, but what? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling it says in Ephesians. Worship, you must will yourself to thank God. You must will yourself to worship him. Not because you hope that if you worship him, he'll be good to you. You worship him because he's already been good to you. He's already been good to you. And that's the basis of your worship. But you must see that his goodness comes not after the darkness, but in it. That's where we deceive ourselves. His goodness comes to us in the darkness. The most famous psalm of all bears witness to that, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In the original language, it's closer to even though I walk through death's dark valley. What? You are with me. He who dwells in unapproachable light, Jesus, the son of God, entered into our darkness. What David could only sing about, you and I have seen now in history. That Jesus entered into our darkness to bring us into the light of God's steadfast love and faithfulness. All the way back to verse three, what we were meditating on in the first place. There's no cave, there's no circumstantial darkness that can snuff that light out. Impossible. Because you are in Christ, you see. It is your new nature to be like Jesus Christ who worshiped God on this earth in the shadow of this world's darkness, in the shadow of sorrow and grief, in the shadow of Rome, in the shadow of his adversaries in the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. In all of it, Jesus worshiped his heavenly father in the shadow of this world's darkness and won your salvation and brought you into, as it says in Colossians uh, Colossians chapter one, the kingdom of light. He rescued you from the kingdom of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of his light. So don't wait for a brighter day to worship. To be a Christian, is to realize that God is with you in the darkness. And if he's with you in the darkness, you can thank him, and you can praise him, and you can say, I sing, I don't feel great, but I will worship. Can you, I am telling you, if you, especially those of you who are parents, if you can, if you can will yourself to worship God in your darkness, That could be the most powerful witness to your children you can offer them. They will see it, they will catch that and they will not forget it. No matter what the Christian endures, you have every reason to choose a habit of worship. Worship as your comfort, worship as your new perspective because worship is now your new nature. My heart is steadfast, O oh God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O oh harp and lyre. Or we can say, awake, O oh fender guitar. Right? Whatever, whatever works for you. Awake, I will awaken the dawn. Give God the praise now. Give him thanks now. Even if it's just like our brother said, you're frustrated because you didn't get invited to a wedding. And so you're walking along the river and you're like, wow, this is more beautiful than I want to admit. Thank you, Lord. Okay, that's a good place to start. Praise God now in whatever type of darkness you are enduring, and I'll close with the final, uh, final word from William Cooper, who I think we will see in glory, and we will see that the cloud of depression has lifted, has finally fully lifted. And whatever cloud you're walking around under right now, my friend, it will lift by then as well. And we will behold each other whole. So let's sing now with that hope and let's sing along with William Cooper. Let everlasting thanks be thine. He means yours. Let everlasting thanks be thine for such a bright display as makes a world of darkness shine with beams of heavenly day. Pray with me. Our Father, we would love for the darkness to lift. We would love for it to pass over us and never return. And maybe for some of my friends here today, Lord, that is in your unsearchable will for them, and I pray it would be true. But for some of us, Father, who must continue to limp through this life because we have wrestled with you and <laughs> have found that, that there is a, a, an irrevocable injury that we must endure... Father, for the rest of us, we, we do pray we do pray for faith to see how you are with us in the cave. And Father, we ask that, that worship would comfort us, that worship, worship of the one true God and his son Jesus Christ would offer us a new perspective on who we are and even on what we're enduring. And Father, thank you that you have renewed us that you have shed the light of Christ upon our dark souls, that you have made us new, new people, new sons and daughters, and may we worship in the light of that truth, whatever our darkness is. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are light, and there is no darkness in you. Amen.